now is the time for me to qualify. Um, I, hi again, my name is Wendy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I want to thank Casey for um, asking me to speak today. Um, so let me get a few numbers out of the way. I've been in this wonderful program uh, for 22 years. I came in in 1994. Um, I can't tell you that I have 22 years of perfect abstinence or even abstinence because I've had, you know, a few slips down the road, but I've never left this program. Um, I came in, I was uh, near 23 years old, and I weighed 223 pounds was the highest weight that I know of, and I'm down about 70, and sometimes it's been less and sometimes it's been more. And um, I'm passing photos. That's sort of a strange little valley custom we do. I don't know if you guys do it in the city so much anymore. I came in in the city and uh, have been in the valley for many years, so it's good to be out here. And I just have to say you've come a long way, Kitchen Sink, because... You know, um, my very first Overeaters Anonymous meeting as an adult, because I had gone to one in the Valley OA office as a, as a teenager, um, was at that, you know, the log cabin on Robertson, you know, and I have fond memories, always thinking a little rat was going to appear around the corner. And here we're in this beautiful room today, so it's, it's pretty cool, um, but a little different, you know, and, and I see some wonderful faces that I've known for many, many years. And even though we don't always talk, you guys are in my heart, because OA has... It's truly become, you know, I'm getting chills as I'm saying this, it's become part of my DNA. You know, people say you don't forget your first love. And, you know, I'm married now and I've had plenty of flings and boyfriends, whatever. But OA, I think, is my first love, you know, because really OA has taught me how to live. It's helped me to grow and expand. And so I'm going to try to stay to the story. Sometimes I jump around a little bit. And, you know, the story doesn't really change, but I remember little different things about it. So... Okay, so I came in, it was 1994, it was right after that big Northridge earthquake in um, January, and I was living in the city. I called my mother, because I remember she'd been in uh, OA, in and out over the years, she'd take off 100, she'd leave, she'd come back, she'd lose the weight. And I said, what's that OA thing you used to do? Because I was finding myself, um, you know, this was sort of a typical weekend. I I was working in my first job, Uh, I was living with a lovely high school friend, a gay man, and um, so the weekends would be, you know, going out to the gay bars in West Hollywood, because we lived West Hollywood adjacent, and, you know, reluctantly going to my family's house for dinner, um, and just, you know, planning on making myself one quesadilla with, like, the lightest corn tortillas and the low-fat cheese, and making five, you know, and shopping. Shopping was a big thing, you know, but when you're, you know, over 200 pounds, you know, you're getting a lot of handbags and shoes because that's more of, you know, the kind of stuff you're doing. So, um, so I asked mom what this thing was, and I found myself a Sunday night. They, I don't think they meet Sunday night at the log cabin. They haven't for many years. And uh, I remember, I don't remember who was the first speaker. I don't remember what was said. I thought it was a little bit weird that people wanted to hug me and come up and talk to me afterwards. Um, and I remembered that... I didn't particularly like hearing the G word, you know, the God word, but um, because I had grown up, you know, with a religion and, oh, what the hell? Uh, I'm not going to swear. Hell isn't too much of a swear word, but, you know, I was bought in it, but I did the deal, but I never had a relationship with God. And I, I just had this weird thing. It wasn't said in my house, we don't believe in God or we think religion is hooey, but... Um, I'd see people with their crosses or their Jewish stars, their mezuzahs, and I'd think, you know, I just thought, yuck. And whenever people would talk about God, and I just didn't like it, and I didn't want any of it. Um, So when I came in, I just, something in me just said, you know what, let's let's not worry about that for right now. Let's just see what these people have to say. So um, 
One of my very first memories in OA was I was at my office. I get a phone call from a woman who says, hey, um, I, I wanted to call you because you said you might need help with your food. Because at that time, I already had a sponsor. You know, I heard you speak in a meeting, and I got your number. And I said, wow, you know, how'd you get my number? She said, oh, your roommate gave it to me. Because you got to remember, you know, this is the 90s. This is pre-cell phones. And, you know, probably we had those old-fashioned, vo- you know, answering machines, not the voicemail. And what was weird is my roommate and I didn't give out our work numbers to people because, you know, who knows who's calling? Maybe it's a bill collector or something strange or an ex. And he gave this woman my number. So later on I said, oh, that was my first God shot that he knew to give this gal, Vivian, my number. And she called me to help me. So my early days of my abstinence back when, you know, as was wonderfully mentioned by Roberta, when it was, you know, just sort of a tool, I had a lot of rules, you know, and I stood by those rules, you know, know this, know that, know whatever, and I like to wave my OA flag. So here's the kind of stuff it brought me. My, my darling little grandma would say things like, oh, sweetie, can, we're going to so-and-so restaurant. Can you eat something there? And then I was dating a guy, and I think we'd already eaten our meal, and we're meeting a couple at the Cheesecake Factory. And we're sitting there, and he says in front of these people who I've just met, oh, Wendy doesn't eat that. She's on a diet. And, you know, and I would be so mad, but I was the one who brought it on myself because here I am waving my flag. And I remember a normie friend of mine, an old friend from, you know, school, like we've known each other since seventh grade. I think, you know, I'd gotten in OA and then I finally started going back to the gym and I'm talking about the gym and working out. And she says, yeah, you're talking about working out a lot. And you know what? That stuff's boring. People don't want to hear about that. Just like people who I think may need this program or another program. They don't want me to hear them tell them that they should be in a program because it's said that we're a program of attraction rather than promotion. And I believe that OA and all these 12-step programs, it's youth serum. We have a light in our eyes. You know, you look at these photos of me, even when I was a kid, the light was off, man. You guys, my eyes are turned on now because I, I have a higher power in my life, and I have a fellowship, you know, a worldwide fellowship. I've been to meet English-speaking meetings in Tokyo. I've been to meetings in London. I've been to meetings in New York, you know. We're everywhere. And if I can't get to an OA meeting, I can go to an open AA meeting because they are people who understand me. They understand addiction, and they understand that this is, you know, after many years, you know, 22 years, you know, it is about the food. It isn't about the food. This, what, what we suffer from is, you know, we don't feel whole. We don't feel right in ourselves, you know. And as I was showering this morning, and this is really funny, because periodically, you know, my higher power will pop in and give me this. So I go, you know what? You are absolutely gorgeous. You are perfectly fine as you are. And then I kind of go, you know, that's wrong. I can't think, you know, I still got, you know, I still should, should be down like 10 pounds and blah, blah, blah. And then you know what? That's just a load of hooey. I am wonderful as I am today. I'm showing up. I'm being of service. I have a program. No, I sponsor. I'm sponsored. But I apologize. I'm jumping around. So I should get back to the story. So so in our story, um, so I'm showing up. I'm hearing you guys talk about the G word. I'm reading it in the literature. Um, I'm hearing stuff from my sponsor, you know, like when I'm complaining about people. Because as we start to let go of the food and let a little bit of space in, we're seeing, oh, wow, I have a problem with living and people and other stuff. It's not just the food substance. So I'm telling her stuff, and she's saying things to me like, and she was an older woman, that says everything about them and nothing about you. Oh, my God, you know, what a concept that the world's not revolving around me, you know, because I used to think everybody was out to get me. And, uh, 
that just wasn't so. People just, oftentimes, they don't care. I'm really, I'm creating a story. So I continued doing the work, and, um, you know, I forgot to mention that as a teenager, I did come into OA for a minute, and I heard them talking about God, and I didn't like it. So I did it my way in high school, and I took off my 50 pounds. And in high school, they said, wow, you know, I was getting all this attention. You look great. And, and you know what? I didn't like all that attention, and I didn't like that boys and teachers were treating me nicer. Um, and so when I went back east to college, I promptly put all my weight back on. But it's because I had a disease. It's not just because I was mad at the people, right? So um, as I started to take weight off in the program, um, okay, so that, okay, that's just nothing. Sorry. That's just God saying, hi, I'm here. I'm on, I'm on your phone. Um, anyways, so um, as I started to take off the weight, you know, people started to notice. But I had a program. I had somewhere where I could go. I said, uh, people are noticing. And they're like, you know what? It's okay. It doesn't matter. And um, there was a trade publication. I'd gotten a promotion. They said, you know, Wendy W., that was my maiden name initial, a newly slim Wendy W. I was pissed off. You know, I'm newly slim. What does that mean? I'm newly better? I'm newly a cool person? I was pissed. But you know what? Life went on. And it just went on. And one day, I can't tell you what day it was, you know, so that first year, maybe it was a year and a half, you know, I went down to like 154 or something. And, I, you know, and I only knew that because I got weight at the doctors or something. And um, so I find out, I, I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, maybe there's something outside myself. Because left to my own devices, I would be drowning in a vat of macaroni and cheese. When I was in nursery school, I was a little pain in the neck, right? Most kids, oh, mommy, make me a peanut butter and jelly. No, I had the little thermos with mac and cheese. I had to have the salami sandwich on bread. Because in my house, food was very important from an early age. Because I do come from compulsive eaters. Some of them identify, some don't. Because food was really everything, you know. I was either laughing or crying or eating. And eating was sort of the solvent for everything. You know, there was the old joke in my house. My grandma said, oh, sweetie, you know, don't cry. You can have dessert first. I mean, that kind of stuff. You know, everything, everything was really, truly about the food. And, um, and it's so funny because, you know, one of the things I still work on today is slowing down when I'm eating. And I laugh and I think, where did that come from? Why did I, why did I eat like such an animal so wild? Well, you know what? My dad was the ultimate garbage disposal because if you didn't finish, he's going to come and attack your plate. So it's like, I better, you know, watch out. Um, so anyhow, I slowly started to think there was a power outside myself. And you know what? So many of you guys were just calling it the G word. I thought, you know what? That's easier. Why don't I just try that? Um, so time passes as it does. And, you know, we change sponsors as we sometimes need to do. Um, and it's really interesting because that first sponsor I had, I really learned how to not behave when a sponsee told me she needed to move on because she just said, okay, goodbye. And I was like, whoa. And then many, many years later, you know, when I broke it off with a sponsor and I said, I want to thank you for all you've done. She really took it personally and said, look, I've been with you for four years. I really want more detail. And I said, okay, well, I... I really didn't want to get into this, and I had to, and it was uncomfortable because I had to say, you know what, I feel micromanaged here. Um, and uh, that, that, too, was difficult. But um, So whenever a sponsor has to move on, and, and I've had many women that I've sponsored over the years, just they stop calling or they just vanish. And I'm not the sort of person who calls and checks up after you. You know, I go somewhere else to worry about that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I just... Uh, I just have to bless them, and I just, I just want people to get well. I just want people to find their path and their higher power. One of my earliest sponsees, um, and I like to tell this story because she, like me, didn't like the God word. And 
uh, she um, called her higher power Peggy because it was a counselor who had been very kind to her as a kid. And then I think she changed eventually, and like me, she may have called the higher power God. But I really liked that because, you know, that's a sticking point for a lot of us when we come in. Um, you know, like the alcoholic, we're very stubborn. And it's really funny. I was thinking when Don was reading today, you know, from the big book, uh, and it says, what an order. I can't go through with it. Well, my current sponsor sometimes reads it. What? An order? Like, don't you tell me what to do. I'm a compulsive overeater, you know. And, and there's so many, you know, this is, this is the curse and the blessing of Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I recently listened to... Um, and I, I guess I, I don't need to say exactly what it was, but it was something from the birthday party. Someone who has many, to- many years in this program, but who has radically different ideas from a lot of us. And there's space for all of that. But the blessing and the curse is that, you know, in AA, they say they put the plug in the jug. Here, you know, we have to eat. We have to figure out a plan of eating that works for us. And for me, um, there are certain, you know, alcoholic foods that are alcoholic for me today that were alcoholic 22 years ago. But there are some things that I choose to measure. There are some things that I have in moderation. And sometimes I take some back and go, ooh, that doesn't work so well. Um, but I have to find that path because it's inside me. It's that still, small, quiet voice. It's the same voice that says to me, maybe you need to leave Target now and not drop $200 when you just came in for cat food. It's that voice. It's there. It's in us. Or it's in me. I can't speak for you. It's in me. So I have to try to listen with that one and go with the flow because that is the loving higher power, you know. This is March, so it's step three. So what my sponsor and I have been doing for the last two years, we try to focus on the step we're in. And I've had a lot of kind of crisis and family situations going on. So when that step happens, I get to pause and go, okay, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. You know, God cares for me. God doesn't neglect me. But when all this insanity is going on surrounding my father or other stuff, I think I have to fix it. I have to control it. Just like I thought I had to fix and control the food or the emotions, you know. And I'm just going to tell you a little story just from, you know, current stuff. So yesterday I had to speak at another meeting, um, another fellowship. And so I went and had my dinner at the mall. And I'm poking around at the mall because that's what I do, you know, and I had my coupons. And I'm looking and I'm going, wow, you know, something that I read recently. I said, these items, they don't spark joy. They're not going to really add to my life. I don't need to bring this stuff in. Because I recently, you know, did a start of a spring cleaning, getting stuff away. And I left the meeting, not the meeting, I left the mall. And there was like a little bit of sadness, a little bit of emptiness. You know, like, oh, I didn't buy anything to fix the sad feelings that I have because I went to see my dad today and, you know, things are difficult. No, I didn't see him, actually. It's, It's a long story, but... I just felt that sadness, that slight emptiness that we have, you know, in your stomach. And, and, you know, sometimes we misinterpret. We go, oh, that's hunger. But I got to that meeting, and I sat with those women who understood me. It was gone within minutes, like as soon as I got there. And I was with people who understood, you know. We're family here. Whether or not we talk to each other on a daily basis, we come to know each other and love each other in a special way. And we, you know, we're the family that we choose. So, um That's just kind of a miracle to have that kind of gift in my life that people can actually understand me. So once again, I'm straying from the story. So you're probably going, okay. So she took off the weight. She's switching sponsors. She's dancing around. I never left, okay? Never, ever left. You know, on average, probably like two to four. Two to five meetings a week, depending. Right now in my, you know, in my recovery, there are some other fellowships involved. Um, I have two home OA groups on the weekends, and sometimes I'll go to others. And whenever I'm asked to speak, I speak. Um, so, you know, life happens. I'm sponsoring. I'm feeling good. And what do I do? Little things like, oh, 
oh, maybe table bread isn't really a problem. So, you know, after, um, gosh, what was it? It was, I think, three years. Um, I switched sponsors. I restarted abstinence. I had a very gentle, loving sponsor. And she said, oh, do you not want to just call this a slip? And I said, no, no, I'm going to start over. But here was my problem. I was looking for everybody else's abstinence. I'm trying to fit my size 8 foot in your size 5 or your size 10 shoe. And, you know, one friend would say, well, I don't need any, you know, white stuff. Okay. Or I just don't, you know, or I don't need any bread. Okay, great. So I'm going to go and have, you know, a pound of rice with my food or, you know, no French fries, but I'm going to have, you know, the biggest whatever. And, you know, just kind of switching tit for tat. And that didn't work. Then another girlfriend who had many years in the program suggested, well, why don't you see a professional? Professional is sweet and lovely, but she said things like, okay, you know, when you have dessert, you can have a dessert with your husband, just share it. I don't know about you, I'm a horrible sharer. You better watch out, man. I'm awful, honestly. And then I would do nutty things like, you know, just skipping forward. I get married in 2007, and, you know, I'm a saint. I'm not doing any of the tasting for the wedding cake. I do not eat my wedding cake. But what happens when we go on our honeymoon to Hawaii? Oh, I get into the luau pie. Oh, hi. How did I forget that that doesn't have, like, recreational sugar in it? I mean, just nutty stuff like that. You know, it's that slight insanity of the compulsive overeater, that stuff that we do. So the most recent abstinence I have, um, the sponsor with whom I broke up, uh, who was not who didn't handle it so well, who really demanded an answer. And then when I had to say, I feel micromanaged, it was horrible. It was just not good, you guys. And, um, but we since, you know, the situation, I believe, has been rectified. We're Facebook friends, you know, so it's all good, right? But um, so, you know, at that time, I went to a business meeting, which was, you know, one of those annoying business meetings. And I brought, like, a little yeah, lunch, like, oh, I'm going to have some apple and some almonds. And you know what? I was kind of hungry, but I'm sure I was also aggravated. So they had lunch there, and I had some lunch. And she said, that was the second lunch. You need to think about this. And there was that threat, you know, if you don't start your abstinence over, I'm not going to sponsor you anymore. And I was scared. Here's the other thing about this disease, guys. Thank you. I'm really scared of everything. Honestly, I just started using a neti pot again. I was so scared to do it. And it's helping, you know, because I'm afraid, like, I'm going to do it wrong. That there's something in my DNA. I'm like, I, I, I screw things up. I'm not going to do it right. So anyhow, so, okay, I'm scared sponsor. I'm going to do that. And I had, you know, celebrated my bot mitzvah year. I'd had my 13 years. And, but you know what? So then I started over. And I mean, it, I made, it made it worse by starting over because then I started really futzing around with my food and sort of that anger eating. And you know what? I, I just, that's how I know. But see, everything is a lesson. Everything, I read some, in some literature this morning, you know, timing is perfect. So everything happens for a reason. So what that lesson was, I don't get to tell my sponsees what to eat or when they need to start their, their abstinence over. That's between them and their higher power. They can screw around. They can play around. You know, I'm here to help, but I'm not here to be your parent or the cops, okay? So um, anyhow, I restarted, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know that unless I just go off and I leave the program and I just start being like nutty, I'm not really kind of starting over. I've heard a lot of folks over the years say, you know, if you're in L.A., you're driving to New York, you run out of gas in Phoenix, are you going to turn around? No, you fill up the tank, you keep going. So, you know, that doesn't give me license to really be a dope and like screw around. 
and I, and I have to get clean and I talk to people about it. But um, so currently I will have, you know, if I am willing, because God is always a willing partner, I will have six years in October. And it's very imperfect, you guys. Sometimes I do dopey stuff. Sometimes I eat too much. I, I don't think I can sit here and really tell you sometimes I eat too little, except when I'm sick, which is kind of funny. But, um, you know, yeah, it was really funny. February was pretty much, I was just sick all of February. And I was like, wow, I just don't really have an appetite. And that's something that I don't know. Because appetite for the compulsive overeater is like... Um, what it's it's not it's like we eat if we're hungry or not you know i heard someone say you know i don't have trouble eating when i'm in pain then i could be really mindful i have trouble eating when times are good and it's like oh life is great i'm on vacation you know like i'm going to maui next week which is the truth i'm going to maui but guess what Hula pie is not going to be on my itinerary, and that's really okay, because I, I know what happens, especially if I share desserts. It's, it's not nice. I mean, I don't, I don't think the other pe- per- person feels really great about that. So um, I guess just, you know, what do I do on a daily basis? I, I try to, I'm trying to be more open-minded these days and listen to what other people do. I recently took up the practice, well, recently, it's been almost two years, you know, I do a little prayer on my knees, and I realized, you know what? It's so rote, saying third and seventh and serenity and blah, blah, blah. I'm not listening to what I'm saying. So now I've just started saying the serenity prayer because that's really where I am today because I really need to be very mindful of the things I can change, which is myself and my thinking patterns. And the stuff that's kind of outside my nose, I really can't. You know, I just can't change that stuff. I can't fix my dad's mental and physical illness. Um, I can't force him what to do. And I, I really want to, you know, but all I can do is take care of me. And, and sometimes that's the hardest thing. And, and also I'm working on changing that constant negative pattern. Like, you can't do this. I mean, I'm one of those people, you know, you give me a, a manual. Oh, my God, I can't read that. So I'm always saying to my husband, how do we put this thing together? And that's just, you know, that's like the child. That's like, you know, that must have come from somewhere. Someone saying, oh, you know, you're not technical. You're not mathematical. You don't have that kind of brain. So I put that groove in my record And I just want to stop that junk. So I'm just focusing on let's change the thought pattern because when I think beautiful and real and positive affirmations, that's what I get. When I focus on the negative, that's what I get. And, you know, it's so interesting because when we're talking to others, we want to change them. I'm sitting getting a facial yesterday and my friend, there's so much negativity around the dating and this and that. And this has been going on for years. And I just want to say, ah, I can't, you know, if you change your thinking, you'll change your life. But it's not for me to say, you know, I really, I need to be an example of a joyous life. And if I am, then people might say to me, hey, you know, what are you doing? You seem, you seem okay. What, you know, what's up with you? And then I can talk about it. And I don't have to be a show-off. I can just be me and say, you know what really works? It's not necessarily just having that higher power thing. Because, you know, as I said, it took me a while to appreciate that. It's the fellowship. It's really the people who understand. And it took me a long time to learn, you know what? Don't take these issues to your family. Take it to your sponsors. Take it to your, you know, sisters who understand. And sometimes talking to guys, too. People who, um, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm having a feeling. I'd like to eat a cake the size of Texas. You guys understand that. Or, you know, I am so upset. I just need to go to the mall and just do a blind shop and just eat whatever. You understand. And, and really, truly getting to my core that's not going to fix it. That's going to create a bigger problem. You know, um, the problem I've come to learn, you know, I, I like to think I haven't learned much, but I, I have learned a few things. The problem is me, but the solution is here. So thank you for letting me share.
This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember that if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. All right. Um, Do we have any questions from the floor? I'm just going to keep... Yes, please. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. How do you handle it when when you you want to do something, you know that it's the right thing for you and all sorts of things, and you still are like, I'm not doing that thing. And you keep repeating that I'm not doing that thing in your head, and then then it becomes the, you know, how how do you get over that? How do you get past that? Cool. I'm going to paraphrase to just sort of, you know, to repeat it. Okay. What do you do when there's something that you really know is right and that you should do but you really don't want to do it, and you keep kind of going over and over. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So what do you do? Um, when I'm having such a strong, visceral reaction to something, I would call my sponsor or some trusted OA friends, and I would talk about it, and I would say, okay, this is what's going on. I know this is the right thing to do. Um, what, can I have some feedback on it? If you want feedback. The other thing I might do is I might put it in my God box. Um, or, you know, and I'm going to say this. I don't always do it. The tool of writing is really a useful tool because it really helps clarify and get stuff out. Maybe, you know, a pros and cons list. Because, again, you're probably listening to the still small inner voice, which is your higher power, saying, you know what, this is the route you should take. But you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to make amends to that person. So, really, it's kind of just, you know, the little inner pissed-off toddler that doesn't want to do it. So, that's what I would suggest. Sure. Yes. Hi, thank you very much. Um, I'm assuming from the pictures you got married. Um, can you talk about how that relationship has been for you in recovery and how your other relation and how your other relationships have changed or not or how that's been for you? Sure. Well this is really interesting. So here here's um yeah, repeat the question, yeah. I'm ha- I am married. How has my relationship changed in recovery and am I right? Is that okay, I'm not missing okay. And my other relationships. Okay. So this is interesting. This helps me touch on a point. So when I was younger, in my early 20s in the program, um, I had moved out from where my mother and grandmother were living. I was living with them. And they always wanted to see me on the weekends for dinner, you know, because it's always food. And I really, you know, sometimes I just didn't want to go, but I have to be a good girl. That's part of my disease also. And I really resented it. But when I got this boyfriend who was a more serious boyfriend, i.e. not somebody who's just coming over maybe once a, you know, and, and somebody who I could actually introduce to the family, guess what? This guy didn't want to have dinner with my family every week. So I kind of stopped doing that. And there was some, you know, people didn't really like that. People don't like when things shift a little bit. Um, and, you know, when we, we became married, my, my husband is different. You know, he's from a different culture. He's English. Um, and things changed, you know. He, um, he also is a, an active drinking gentleman. And, you know, my family, I don't really come from drinkers. Um, but, uh, yeah, and they, they took his, and they and I took my husband's silence as to mean, he doesn't like me. You know, if you're not constantly that, 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 you don't care, you don't love me. And I used to feel that, too. We'd be driving in the car, and we're sitting there, and my husband, um, he's not talking. And I think a sponsor pointed out, or he said, you know, I'm focusing on driving because I want us to be safe. I don't want to, you know, sit there and chit-chat. And, um... That was a big deal because, again, that that takes me back to, you know, having a quieter spouse reminds me it's not all about me. 
And when my spouse is in a mood, I used to always assume it was about me and get upset. And I would have that little girl, like seven-year-old reaction, like, oh, he's mad at me. And, you know, but now when he does that and he's in a mood, I can just go off and be in the other room. And another thing that I noticed that was really interesting, things would happen like I'd break a glass, oops, in the kitchen, and I'd freeze. Because, you know, when I was a kid, if that happened, ooh, you're getting screamed at, you're getting yelled at. And he would come in and quietly help me sweep it up. Um, so that... You know, it just it just showed me that there are I guess there are different kinds of people. Not everybody is going to be a loud screaming, you know, whatever. I'm not. All right. Whatever. Jewish, Italian, whatever you fill in the blank, that everything has to be a big deal. Um, And sometimes I get mad. You know, sometimes I want a reaction like I go, oh, my God, this is the best blood that I've ever tasted. He goes, it's nice. It's fine because he just doesn't care. So it's learning to accept um, people can have their own reactions and their own moods. It's not about me. Does that answer, I hope? Okay. Yes? You mentioned that you come from a family of overeaters. So how is your relationship with them in terms of your recovery? Okay. So I I come from a family of overeaters. How is my relationship with them in terms of recovery? You know, when I'm in a, when I have strong spiritual grounding, and here's what helps me have strong spiritual grounding when I'm going to see them. Talking to a sponsor or a good friend. Okay, I'm going over. I don't really want to. And now it, it hasn't gotten as bad. I used to have a lot of that angst, like, ugh, I've got to see them and da-da-da. But you know what? My sister, I have nieces. My nieces are lovely. One of them's a little bit weird. But, but they're fun. And I can, you know, I can focus on them and see what I, and, and ask about them and, and bring that to the table, literally. Um, but what I noticed last week, because, you know, I'm an imperfect person. I'm an overeater, and I'm also oversensitive, and I'm a busybody. You know, we're sitting at a, a dinner. It's a birthday dinner for my sister. And we're talking, you know, my um, older niece is a junior in high school, getting ready for college. And, you know, they don't have much money. And then the talk comes up about colleges. She wants to go to a large state school. And I said, well, you know, private schools offer a lot more financial aid. And then my sister mentions some school in New York. And, well, you know, there's a journalism school, but she can't apply there. Oh, my God, did I get mad. Because I went back east to school, and I got a lot of financial aid. So I get, I said, and I say to my brother-in-law, who's more reasonable, well, don't you think, you know, Mom and I would help for her to come out at the holidays if she went to such a place? And he just kind of looked at me because, you know what, my sister's going to do what she wants to do. And my niece says she wants to stay in state, and I can't change that. But here's what I did. I ticked off their plate. I shared food. Because most of the time when I eat with my family, this is how I, I, I set my boundary. I eat my plate. Maybe I'll let them have a bite. Not usually. I don't usually offer. But they're, you know, this is part of their culture. Oh, let me taste yours. And, you know, when I got into tasting their food and I felt bloated and gross, I'm like, oh, isn't that nice? Guess what? You're still a compulsive overeater. You let your emotions, you know, you got upset about this. So instead of just saying, okay, it's, it's their deal, you punished yourself and you ate some more food. So I can, I can be very aware of that. And guess what? Now I know next time, don't bring up college. So I hope that answers somewhat. <laughs> okay. Yes. Hi, thank you very, very much for being here. Could you talk about your experience of learning, I'm assuming, to live in the present, and also how to give your control over to God on a daily basis on everything? Thanks. Can I talk about my experience of trying to live in the present and how I turn my control over to God on a daily basis? Well... I came here from the valley. I wish I could tell you I did my meditation this morning. I did not. However, I did read my daily readers. And the great thing about meditation, which is something that is meant to bring us present, we can do it at any time, at any place. I can park my car early when I meet my friend after this, and I can just sit for a few moments. And 
Meditation, you know, it is part of our 11th step. Um, and it is hard because I'm sure you're like me and you've got that crazy busy brain that's like, okay, la, 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 what am I doing? You know, what am I going to wear to that party tomorrow? And it's just not berating yourself, but just bringing it back. I'm here. I'm present. Breathe in. Breathe out. And lately when I've been meditating, I've been trying to go, God is love. I am love. God is peace. I am peace. To sort of just bring it back to the present moment. And when I do things lately, because I, I mentioned I've been sick, I've been just walking in my neighborhood. I, um, I'm not usually on my cell phone, and I never wear headphones because I like to hear things. I like to hear the bird or notice things. Um, and this was definitely very present. Um, I'm a cat nerd, and uh, I happened to be walking by this long mural on the bike path, and I just happened to look at the mural for a minute, and there was a painted cat. And I don't know if I'd seen it before, and I was like, oh, that's God signing, you know. And then when I walked back to my house, we, we had sort of that rock stuff done, you know, by Turf Terminators, and I looked, it's like, oh, my God, there's little pink flowers there. I didn't notice that. So that's being present, like looking at stuff and noticing things um, that might have been there always, but I only just now noticed them. Does that... Answer? Okay, thanks. Anybody else? Yes, Adisa. Um, you talked about sponsors and micromanagement and food and all that. I just wonder, do you ever feel judgment in certain foods or meetings? Oh, yeah. And, and has it been hard to go to certain meetings because of that? And what's your experience? Wonderful point. Um, she's asking, do I ever feel uh, judgment from certain groups or meetings, right? Um, yeah, here, here's, this is very interesting. Okay, um, so I live in the Valley, as you guys know. Uh, it was a very popular trend in the early 2000s, I think. A lot of folks in the meetings were talking about points, points, my points, my points. Hi, this is OA. This isn't a commercially endorsed program. I don't want to hear about your points. I want to hear about God, the steps, your abstinence, how you're getting through life. Um, I still kept going to those meetings. Um, sometimes, though, what I perceive as judgment is actually my unwillingness to maybe try something new. So there were also years where I would hear people in the Valley speak about weighing and measuring. And finally, you know, I just said, okay, I'm going to go out to lunch with somebody. And we talked about it. And I got a digital scale for myself because there are certain things I need to measure. Do I need to really measure broccoli? Not so much. But like oatmeal and rice? Yeah, probably. And do I always do it, you know, perfectly? No. But I've gotten used, I've gotten accustomed to it. And now there's a big um, movement in the valley. I'm not sure if it's so much in the city. A lot of folks are talking about sober eating. And, you know, for a moment, that kind of bristled me. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, and then one of my, somebody who I'm friendly with, and you know what? It's a way to work the program, and it's opened up my ears a little bit. Because when people talk about being sober with their food, that it's an individual thing. Um, so I don't have to take it in as much. But, um, you know, is, is that an outside issue? Maybe. I'm not really sure. But we do come from AA. AA is the mothership program. So... Oftentimes, though, I do find that whenever I'm starting to feel judged, it's really my own judgment because I'm so hard on myself, and that's what I'm really working on because, you know, when the finger's pointed, the four are back at me. Um, I have some sponsees who feel judged by certain people, and so I say, okay, then maybe, you know, you avoid those meetings, but ultimately, it's not about them. It's about you and your recovery. Does that help? Okay. Yes. You said that this is more so step three. Sure, okay. 
It's a little, it's not quite as, uh, I, last year's, oh, sorry, I've got to repeat the question. Um, I, because it's March, I mentioned that I'm, you know, in step three, and am I working a step a month, and how does that look? Right now, because of the stuff, that's, the dramatic stuff that's been going on with my dad, it hasn't looked quite as much as it did last year. So I think I would rather use last year as an example of how we worked it. So here's what we did last year. We would read the step. My sponsor, um, we have our daily OA readers. You know, we've got Voices of Recovery. We've got four today. Um, what we would do, my sponsor, uh, I don't always do, thank you, I don't always do my 10th step, but on my 10th step, one of the things we do is we list the OA principles, which I believe are outlined in the OA 12 and 12 and step 11. I could be wrong, or it might be step 12, such as honesty, humility, humility willingness, that sort of stuff. So we identified which um, principle matches the step. So I think, um, oh golly, oh gosh, I wish I could tell you, but let's just give a, hypo, a hypothetical example. So say we say step three, you know, made a decision. So let's say that's willingness. So my sponsor would have me look in these books and look in the back under willingness. And sometimes there were like 10 or 15 entries, right? So I would read them and the ones that appealed to me, I would write about them. And that's sort of how we worked the step by doing that and discussing. And my sponsor, what I love about her, it, she doesn't say, mm, okay, that's a nice reading. She'll challenge it. She'll ask, she'll ask questions, which is what I really love about her, but not in a judgmental way. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I kind of skirt around, like, the things that she suggests I write about and says, no, no, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's dig a little bit underneath that. And that's how we work it. So right now, um, what we're doing this month uh, with Step 3 is, you know, when I'm getting in that, you know, agitated state of, like, forgetting that there's a loving God who cares for me, who wants to help me, it's remembering that, and we talk about it. Does that answer? Somewhat? Okay. He's like, yeah, somewhat. We can talk later. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. But, I mean, it, is, it does sound kind of funny to work, and I'll just addendum. It sounds funny to work a step a month, because in the past, that hasn't traditionally been what I've done. And I haven't really had sponsors who've said, if you don't finish up that inventory, by then I'm going to kick you. But I also am not the person who has spent, like, two years dragging out on an inventory. So, you know, 22 years, I've done numerous inventories. And, you know, thankfully, they get a bit smaller. But, you know, they're still there. Thank you so much. You said that your husband is an active drinker. Do you mean that he's in another program or that he drinks? I mean that he drinks. Oh, sorry. I was asked if my husband's an active drinker, um, and that means he actively drinks, but I don't call him the A word because he doesn't identify stuff. Maybe I might call him the A whole word, but not to his face. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's an eater, but he... Uh, He's not a compulsive eater, but he's heavy, you know. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> how, uh, speaking of that question, just as a, a follow-on, how do you um, how do you address yourself when you're taking other people's inventory? <laughs> how do I address myself when I'm taking other people's inventory? This sort of parlays back to the last question. When I'm starting to poke and look at other people's stuff, and I will be honest here because I try to be as honest as possible, this will happen when sponsees are dicking around with their food. I'm like, why can't she get it? And then I go, hey, what about your snacks? They're not looking so pretty, Wendy. And I have to, ultimately, it really is about me. God, we're so self-centered and so self-obsessed that, you know, when I'm really starting to pick someone apart, I have to look at, what am I trying to avoid here? What is really going on with me that I need to look outside of myself? Because, you know what? 
I'm still a beautiful work in progress. It's been 22 years, and there's still plenty that I can work on. So I really don't have any business start taking other people's inventories. But, you know, we do. It's human nature. We sit in a meeting and go, and probably people have sat in meetings with me and go, is she seriously going to talk about her father again? I mean, enough. Enough, you know. So people need to talk about their stuff as long as they need to talk about it. And so, you know, um, one thing that came to me, and it's really funny because I don't think I read it anywhere, but... And I, I wrote it some t- a long time ago, maybe on Twitter or Facebook, and I said, you know what, stop judging, start loving. And that's, that's tough for me, you know, because I've been faced, you know, my, my dad's fear and his anger and trying to come back to that with love instead of my own fear and anger. So, um, yeah, it's just really about trying to stop judging. And that comes from within because it's taken a long time to get to the place where I'm really actually starting to like myself. And, you know, I would hear sponsors say, don't talk about my friend Wendy that way. Um, but you guys showed me so much love when I came in. I mean, OA was a very loving fellowship when I first came in. The other one's not so friendly. But you guys really were friendly and loving when we come in. So I was, I'm finally able to go, oh, you know, maybe it's time. And then I was able to give that back to you. And then the last step is, is bringing that back to myself. You know, would you talk to a sponsor that way? No. Would you talk to, you know, a newcomer that way? No. So, so stop doing it to yourself. Is that about it? Or should I take another one if anybody has it? Okay, well, 24 seconds. I hope that I never know what I've said. It always seems like it's a jumble, but just please know that I really do love all of you, and I pray for you to have continued recovery and um, to find your higher power, whatever that is, if you're struggling. And um, call me if you're struggling, and um, I wish you well. That's it. Thanks.